When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. I recognize that people are going to call me a hypocrite. Bryson DeChambeau and Brendan Steele, two of the live golfers, they are both absolutely ecstatic about the prospect of potentially coming back and getting an opportunity to play some events on the PGA Tour. I've talked to about a dozen PGA Tour players. Not one of them was happy with this deal. Just a lot of upset individuals. And Jay, he's going to have his work cut out rebuilding trust among his membership. Kenny Carlin here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Matt Jones, Gabe Neitzel. Heat and the Nuggets play tonight, game three. But the other big story, of course, is the combination of the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and the Saudi Fund to come to one golf entity. We are joined on the phone by Brandel Chambly. He's a golf channel analyst, and I think probably fair to say one of the harshest critics over the past year of the live tour brandall thank you very much for your time uh i was watching rory today and he said he felt a bit like a a sacrificial lamb in all this i'm not sure anybody has sort of taken up for the pga tour and the idea of being against what the live tour sort of stood for more than you when this was announced a how did you find out and b did you have that sort of sacrificial lamb feeling a little bit that Rory was talking about? Uh, well, look, I found out the way everybody else did. Uh, you know, I was at the airport, dropped my wife off. She was headed off to a golf trip. I got out of my car. I was gone for two minutes. Got back in. I had 50 text messages. And, you know, it looked like Brooks or Phil were trying to pump me on, on Twitter, and I thought that's where it was. And then I saw the story, and honestly, I thought it was make-believe. I thought somebody was, again, trying to pump me. I, 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 this couldn't be true. And then when I finally got home and was able to digest and get my arms around it, I was absolutely shocked. So, yes, I I felt, look, I'm not a PGA Tour. I'm a PGA Tour member, but I'm not playing out there. Uh, and, I look, I was speaking from a place of, of, you know, absolute disgust with the human rights record in Saudi Arabia and allowing uh, this whole time, I thought, to allow our American tour that it took 100 years to build to be bought by people that don't know the first thing about golf, not the first thing about it, and don't care about it, uh, was abhorrent to me. And so, yeah, I felt certainly betrayed by it. But, you know, when you look at what Rory and Tiger and Hideki and so many others who turned down tens of hundreds of millions of dollars on the, on, on the principle of the issue, because they didn't like where the money was coming from, not one bit. They didn't like the the... Uh, human rights atrocities of Saudi Arabia and the fact that the man who was in charge of the fund was likely uh, doing it at the at the behest of MBS. And to stand on principle and then not find out about this deal, because the PGA Tour is a membership organization, and the fact that the membership didn't find out until the last second when everybody else did, they had to feel betrayed. And certainly I felt betrayed, but it wasn't just golfers. I think it was 
uh, sponsors, people who've backed the PGA Tour, fans who've who've put their trust into the PGA Tour. I think all of them felt betrayed yesterday. Taking the Department of Justice portion out of it right now, if the players are upset enough, is there anything they can do to try to block this at this point? Absolutely. Uh, the the tour policy board, the player policy board, is comprised of five players. Those five players are Roy McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay, Charlie Hoffman, Peter Malinati, and Webb Simpson. If three of those five players say no, this deal dies on the vine, doesn't go through. And, and you know, if, if they do pass it, then I look at it as a rocky road to getting past this merger. It's got to go through the FTC and the DOJ. And even if it goes through that, it still has to go through the, the Senate. And there were two senators last night that prominent senators, and the Senate is a Democratic-controlled Senate, uh, you know, Chris Murphy and, and Richard Blumenthal. Both of them set out, you know, let's say anti-live PGA Tour merger tweets last night. And then all those people out there who are uh, disgusted by this, the, this, this idea of this merger, they should all write their senators, call their senators. All of them should. So this is a rocky road for this merger getting done. And, and by the way, none of us know the terms of the deal. The deal was this, you know, it's thrown out there. And I have no doubt that, you know, billions of dollars were, were signed and meant to exchange hands. But nobody really knows the terms of this deal yet. But, this, but the fact is, it gives a sense of winners and losers, not winners on both sides. You know, and, and these guys from Live are, are, you know, the Live defectors. They're all over the place acting like they just won the lottery. And they don't realize that their actions are undermining whatever slim chance this has of having any success because it is absolutely making li- the players live it on the PGA Tour, absolutely making them live it. And those are the players, through their, through their push to the players on the board, those are the ones that can block this deal. Well, Br- talking to Brandel Chambly with the Golf Channel, let me ask you that. You – because what you're saying suggests that maybe you think there's a decent chance it will get blocked. When I heard Rory today, you know, I mean, I, 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 Rory's got a great life, so I don't feel sorry for him in the big picture. But on this issue, I felt sort of sorry for him. But he did seem almost resigned to it, even saying at one point, if you take me out of it, it's probably the best thing for golf. That sounded to me like a person who would end up supporting it, or do you read that differently than I do? Well, look. You know, Rory's very well-informed. Nobody, I, I dare say there's, there couldn't be a couple more players that were playing the PGA Tour or any more well-informed than Rory is. Rory knows all the players, all the actors in this, and all of them have reached out to him to talk to him, not, not just because he's on the board, but because he has such a, a, an important place in the world of golf. So he's very well-informed. But when he says it, it might be in the best interest of the game or it, it would be in the best interest of the game, it's because the PGA Tour, in my view, has allowed themselves to get into a position of intractable lawsuits going forward indefinitely. And so the PGA Tour would be hemorrhaging money, money that they just don't have. And so in an effort to keep up with live, they've elevated purses that are not, uh, uh, that, that are not equal to the ratings. They're, they're unsustainable because the ratings, this golf is not, soccer for crying out loud it's not the nfl it's a niche sport and the ratings simply don't support the elevated purses so the pga tour would have to bring in 
at least in my view, they'd have to bring in, it seems that they'd have to bring in private equity of some sort. So hemorrhaging money on lawsuits, unable to keep up or keep pace uh, with with Lyft. And it seems to me that at some point, you know, in, in anticipation of this, they would have had to have courted some sort of economic solution to this prior to Lyft. That doesn't seem like it happened. It seems like those economic solutions that they were presented, they were turned down. And 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 and, and so when you when you look at this big picture, Rory's talking about right now the state of golf, the way it's going now. This is better for the state of golf. But my question is, couldn't you have anticipated this? You know, it's it's not like Live and PGL that preceded Live, and Live essentially took the ideas of PGL. Uh, this this was 2014. So anticipating this push and then having at their resource other economic solutions seems like the fiscally responsible thing to have done. But we are where we are. Brandon, we are where we are now. I agree with everything you just said. So at that point, will they vote it down? Because if if, if they don't have the money for the lawsuits and they don't have the money for the purses, what are they going to do? Well, look, what immediately happens far as I know, is that this stopped the lawsuits. And it seemed to me that there were legal vulnerabilities on both sides, that nobody wanted to go through the discovery process. So it stops the lawsuits. And it, it also stops the possibility, the way I understand it, of the live players having direct access to PGA Tour events, the way I understand it, uh, because it stops these lawsuits. Okay, so now then all of a sudden parameters can be put in place that that under stringent restrictions or penalties that would allow these live defectors to come back and play. So, you know, at least on the face of it, it might give the PGA Tour some more power in dealing with these players as they seek to come back uh, and play the PGA Tour. But again, I mean, the, the terms of this deal are not in any way, shape, or form known by anybody. Uh, it was just a proposed merger with billions of dollars involved, that stops the lawsuits, and I'm pretty sure stops live, kills live dead in the water. Now, the live guys are, 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 are peacocking around on Twitter like they just won the lottery again. But it seems to me that they are ignorant of the fact that their actions may very well undermine this deal. When it comes to Jay Monahan, who brokered this deal in secret, and on, on Golf Channel yesterday, Johnson Wagner said he was estimating in the players' meeting yesterday, 90% of the people in that meeting were upset to 10% who were okay with the deal. If the players are upset enough, is it possible that Jay Monahan is no longer the commissioner of the PGA Tour and doesn't have an opportunity to be the CEO of this new entity? Well, that seems like a very real possibility. I'm not exactly sure of the avenues to force his resignation, but it seems like if a referendum were taken yesterday in that meeting, the vast majority of the people in that meeting would have pressed for it. Uh, You know, it is a membership organization. And, you know, the idea that the membership wasn't uh, to some extent informed about this possibility in any way, shape, or form, or even players on the player advisory committee, or even the players on the player committee, uh, none of them were were informed. Not Tiger, not Rory, not Hideki Matsuyama, none of these players. And, and the fact that it is a membership organization, uh, and they weren't informed, 
you know, it's going to be very hard uh, to get past that. And and so, yes, I, I, I said yesterday, I, I suspect this will be a very long and hard day for Jay. It's going to be a very long and hard tenure uh, for the rest of his uh, commissionership. Brando, I want to, uh, Brando Chamley, Golf Channel analyst, I, I want to ask you what is going to be, quite frankly, with you, a little bit of a difficult question. You I've been very. I've respected your position on all this for the last year, because you have noted that it's more than money. There's the human rights element of this, and that's always been a big part of your, from what I've seen, your disapproval of what happened. And it's what Jay Monahan said, honestly, for a year, and then went back on yesterday. You are an announcer for the Golf Channel. Let's say this goes through, and all of a sudden the PGA Tour is basically funded by. The, the Soviet, or excuse me, Soviet, Saudi Arabian uh, government, are you, what do you do? Are you able to still, you think, do commentary after all that you've thought about this for so long? I don't work for the PGA Tour. I, I work for Golf Channel. Golf Channel pays $10 billion to the PGA Tour for the media rights or whatever it is. It's, it's billions of dollars for the media rights. So I, I don't work for the PGA Tour. I love what I do. My job is to analyze golf. As I've said forever, I, I look forward to the day when I get back to talking about golf and not geopolitical issues, golf and not, not politics. Uh, you know, when, when people – and I'll, this, is, this is the point, though, that the reason I've opposed Liv, the source of the money for Liv, and everybody yesterday was quick to say, everybody, see, it's all about the money. It's all about the money. And if that's true, think about this for a second. If it is, in fact, true that it is all about the money and that everybody is, is, is out to get theirs, if you trace this all the way back to the source of the funds, well, they're not making money on live. They're hemorrhaging money. They will not make money on the team concept that Yasser, the head of the PIF, wants to propose I don't think Yasser really understands golf at all. They will not make money on this. And if they're not making money on this, matter of fact, they'll lose money on this. Billions of dollars they will lose on this. So if they're not making money, how can it be all about the money? It can't be all about the money if they're the ones that not, are not making money. So if it's not all about the money for them, then what is it about? And I think we all know what it is about. So will and you so have a conflict, though? I mean, are you going to have a conflict in your mind calling and commenting on these things if that is the basis for the tour? I'm in the news business, and, and I again, I don't work for the PGA Tour. Okay, I work for a, a, a media company called Golf Channel. My job is to call balls and strikes, to, to analyze the golf, to talk about the golf. That's, that's my job. That's what I'm going to be doing. And it, it's my job to talk about whether or not you know, I, I'm, I'm asked to, 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 to pass judgment one way or another on this merger. And that's, that's the way I see it. Do I have an issue with calling golf? No, I look forward to getting back to calling golf. I love what I do, and I love who I work for. I don't see any conflict of interest there. Brandel, it was one year ago at the Canadian Open when 
Jay Monahan said what he had said about defending the PGA Tour and saying, I asked this of the PGA Tour members, do you ever have to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? Now, almost a year later, he's gotten into bed or is attempting to with those same people he was trying to defend. One year from now, where do you think the golf world is? Well, I, I don't, honestly, I don't think this merger is going to go through. I don't. I think this this merger is going to get killed. I really do. If it's not by the players, I think it'll get killed by the DOJ or by the Senate. So I don't think this merger is going to go through. Uh, but, you know, again, none of us are privy to all the details of this. If the merger dies on the vine, I think it at least still kills the legal issues that the PGA Tour had, which puts the PGA Tour in a better position. But they're still going to try to figure out how to get Saudi money into the game of golf. There's billions and billions of dollars out there. And, again, it's not that they were so disgusted with the source of the money. It's just that they wanted to figure out how to get the money. That's what it appears now into the game of golf. So, you know, it looks like piff because they're, you know, they're so heavily invested in our country and all over the globe. And almost every, it seems like almost every corporation has Saudi money in it. It seems just inevitable that uh, that PIF money is going to find its way into the game of golf at some point. And so it, it will continue to evolve uh, the way professional golf is is played. Because right now, if, if Yasser had his way, the way I understand it, uh, the, the, the biggest names in the game of golf would play 14 or 15 tour events and 14 or 15 team events. And nobody outside of the Ryder Cup and maybe the President's Cup on the men's side, the Solheim Cup, and on the women's side, nobody really pays that much of attention to to team golf. And it took almost a – hell, it took – what did it take? Like 70 years for anybody to really pay any attention to the Ryder Cup. And it's only because of nationalities for their country and preferences for their their tours that they play is there any sort of motivation to watch those tours. Are they at all compelling? And I think Yasser is confusing – the following that there is in soccer for teams with the following that there would be in golf. And so he, I think he's looking at these team concepts as a huge way to make a profit. It's just not going to happen in the game of golf. Golf I just is ha- too much of a niche sport. Brandon, we just have a minute. So let me just ask you this on a personal level. After all you've been through, you in some ways, along with Rory have kind of been the face of taking up for the PGA tour on a personal level. Did you feel disappointed by yesterday? Yes, I did. I felt huge disappointment uh, by the leadership in golf. I did. I uh, I felt uh, I felt like the game was betrayed yesterday. Uh, I uh, and I've done you know look all I, all I've been doing is you know is, is reading about this, looking into it, talking to people within the industry, uh, and there is an uproar within the industry. Now look, you know. I know I know some of the I know some of the people that were on the board that made these decisions and these are smart smart people very smart people and I it, and it looks like they were they had a dilemma in their lap an economic uh, dilemma in their laps uh, but personally I think they they could have handled it better uh, and I, and I think they could have staved off uh, the idea of money, Saudi money coming into the game of golf, and they could have done it years ago. 
Brandel Chambly, thank you very much for your time and your uh, information on this. We appreciate it. Golf Channel Analyst, uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Matt and Gabe. Y'all take care. Thank you. We, we will talk more about whether, about Brandel's comments and whether golf will be in a better place, plus the NBA Finals. That's next here on Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. The DP World Tour, Live Golf, PGA Tour, all coming together. The board of directors will include Yasser Al-Rumayan as its chairman. Al-Rumayan is the governor of Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund, and it was Saudi Arabia's financial connection to the Live Tour that was the genesis of much of the controversy surrounding it. It's a year ago this week that Jay Monahan went on television and said, what message would he deliver to his membership? It was, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? Well, the answer to that question may now have changed after the events of the last 24 hours. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Matt Jones, Gabe Neitzel. We just were talking to Brandel Chambly. I thought it was a very interesting conversation. He, of course, probably the biggest critic of the Live Tour. Uh, Let me play what he said. I I asked at one point what – what his thoughts were as to whether or not he was personally disappointed. It's probably the most the loudest critic saying the live tour was bad, taking Saudi Arabian money was bad. Was he disappointed by the decision? And, and here's what he said. I felt huge disappointment uh, by the leadership in golf. I did. I, uh, I felt, uh, I felt like the game was betrayed yesterday. Uh, I, uh, and I've done, you know, look, all I, all I've been doing is, you know, if, if 
is reading about this, looking into it, talking to people within the industry. Uh, and there is an uproar within the industry. Now, look, you know, I know, I know some of the, I know some of the people that were on the board that made these decisions, and these are smart, smart people, very smart people. And I, it, and it looks like they were, they had a dilemma in their lap, an economic uh, dilemma in their laps. Uh, but personally, I think they they could have handled it better, uh, and I, and I think they could have staved off. Uh, the idea of TIF money, Saudi money coming into the game of golf, and they could have done it years ago. Gabe, when you hear that and just the overall conversation, what was your biggest takeaway from Brandon? I mean, he's still – my biggest takeaway is that he still believes that this is not going to be a deal that ends up happening, whether it ends up getting blocked by the the tour players who are currently there, whether it ends up getting blocked by different levels of government that would still have to approve this – he is still in the corner of, I'm not convinced that this is going to end up happening, despite a lot of people, even in the game of golf, who believe it, it is, yeah, it seems that, almost like that a formality like, that it's going to happen. Does that sound like wishful thinking to you, though? I mean, he said there were five people that are players on the board and that three of them have to pass it. So no I feel, one has been louder about being against it than Rory, and yep. by his comments today, he seemed like a dude that wasn't going to vote against it. So if like, it gets... If it gets blocked, it's going to be blocked by the government. I feel that the tour players, whenever they end up voting on this, and who knows when that's going to be, my guess is a deal actually has to be officially completed, and we don't have any of those details before it's voted on. But if Rory McIlroy, like you said, who's been the loudest voice and been the leader on the PGA Tour, if he kind of seems defeated by this and like, okay, this is what it is, we're going to have to deal with it if we want to play professional golf, this is what my reality is now. If he's been almost defeated by this, I think everybody else is going to fall in line. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I looked at it. I, I, you know, I, I respect Brandle a lot. I mean, he's taking a lot of heat, and he's he, he sort of mentioned four or five different things that can go wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of them being maybe the Live Tour players don't come back. I think I, I can't see a world – where these two tours kind of come together, yet Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka are not playing. <laughs> I mean, if you're the PGA Tour, to be quite frank with you, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka may be the only reason you care anyway, right? Like, I mean, most of those guys on that tour are irrelevant to the game of golf. Dustin Johnson matters. Kepka matters. Mickelson matters to some extent. Cam Smith, you know, there's a handful, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably important to the tour that those guys play. But they have to create some kind of barrier to punish them for leaving, right? So there's that part of it. What I thought was really interesting, too, about what he said was this, that they were thinking it was going to end up with 15 individual events, 15 team team events. Well, let me just go on record. Those 15 team events will fail miserably. I mean, uh, yeah. the, the team event nonsense. We saw we saw this years ago with World Team Tennis, right? When tennis was big, people don't want to see these guys team together. He's right. The reason the Ryder Cup's good is really nationalism. It has nothing to do with teams. It's more like nationalism, sort of rooting for your country. If that's the concept, Gabe, there's no way that works, right? No, no, there's no way that we, we've seen that. It hasn't worked for Live Golf. It hasn't been profitable. They've been putting events on CW, and when it goes to a playoff, they get preempted by whatever syndicated programming <laughs> yeah. is scheduled to come up next, right? Like, it's just, it hasn't worked for Live Golf. And that's the other part that you brought up earlier about 
is golf going to be in a better place in 10 years because of this? And if there is no competition for the PGA Tour or Liv, like Liv had to spend all this money just to draw people away. So then because people were making money to try to keep people, the PGA Tour had to up their money. If there's no competition drawing players away, those costs have to come down because ultimately the PIF, the, the Saudi or do government. They? Or do they, though? Remember, I do think Brandel made a very good point about that. If the Saudis and the PIF don't care about profit, which it's clear they don't because well, they've just been throwing to an thin extent. The, but, but, they, you know, but now that they have a seat at the table, they don't maybe need they to don't. be spending all maybe that Maybe they money. don't. Maybe what they want, and this is where, well, not maybe, this is what they want. I think a profit is probably nice for them. But what they want is they want to be seen as somebody that we look past all the things that are in the Saudi government's past. Right, that's mm-hmm. what they want. They 100%. want to. I think they want to have a clean slate in the. I mean, now we're getting sort of out of sports to p- political, but it, it does matter because it's why they do this. They want to have a clean slate in the world. They want to be one of the economic powers of the world, Without and they doubt. are. If you just look at the economics, they are. But here's the problem: they're never allowed to be part of the great economic power entities because of their human rights violations, and their goal is to be treated as an economic world power and for us to forget about all the stuff they've done in the past. And Gabe, this is how you do it, is you normalize this money. So I don't think they care about a profit. They care about Tiger Woods walking onto one of their courses, being paid by one of their people and going, hey, America, you love Tiger, you love us. And in that respect, it can still work for them, Gabe. Oh, it absolutely can still work for him. That's 100%. Everything you just said is correct in, t- in terms of why they are in this. I think ultimately they'd like to turn a profit, and they're not going to spend money they don't have to. So if there's no other player in, in the world of men's professional golf, they're not going to just start giving out $100 million I agree with that. just to do it. You know? Totally like, agree with that, which was my point earlier with Chris Canty, which is like it's good for him in the short term. Yep. But in the long term, will it be good for players? I don't know. I'll give you an example, and and this is controversial, but it's just the case. Think about how much the relationship with the NBA has normalized a lot of things about China. I mean, now the NBA plays games in China. We look past the Chinese human rights violations. There's a ton of stuff that we don't even talk about it. They play games there. We root it on. We talk about the games, and, and that gets pushed aside. It has worked. In many ways, for China, its relationship with the NBA. That's what the Saudis want to have with golf. It's just a fact. Yeah, it's it's an it's not a new playbook. They're they're following yes. they're following something that's already happened. They've been more disruptive in the way they've gone about it, with the way they bought players and now have come together and everything. But their bet is okay, if this gets through, two months from now nobody's going to care and everybody's gonna be and like, Oh, probably, hey, British Open's on. And unfortunately they're probably right about that. The difference with China and this is that, unfortunately, the Ch- well, fortunately, unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, the Chinese violations have never occurred here. What's happened with Saudi Arabia has happened to Americans with yeah. 9-11 and the American reporter. And that's why I think it feels so much worse to all of us is because it's actually happened to us. And that's why I think you get seem so much more of an outrage than you have a lot of the stuff with China and the NBA. It's Canteen Carlin here on ESPN Radio. The NBA Finals are coming up here in a couple hours. We will preview Game 3 and more. That's next here on ESPN Radio. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. The NBA playoffs. It's the rolling out of bio for a two-hand stop. Out of bio set a tremendous screen and then rolled to the bucket and a chance for three. You know, this is the finals. We got it out one on, on that home court. So time to go back to the 305. Continuing coverage of the NBA playoffs on Canty and Carlin. It is time to go back to the 305. I assume that's the area code in Miami. Is that right? Do you know, Gabe? I, I do not know. I have. Yeah. Well, we're getting a thumbs this, up from Shannon Penn, our producer. So, yes, yeah, yeah, you know what? Yeah, he used to live there. I, I knew that. Of course I knew that. You know, Gabe and I, and I'm Matt Jones. He's Gabe Knight. So, we don't, we don't go to South Beach a lot. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I try to hit up the clubs sometimes, but. They don't let me in. But don't, you know Carlin, don't you know Pitbull? I, I, I honestly am not sure there's a human being I would like to spend less time with than Pitbull. <laughs> I can't. When I see Pitbull, part of the problem I actually have with the Miami Heat, and we're presented by Progressive Insurance, for a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers, is I for many years associated the Miami Heat with Pitbull because every time they would play, they would like have him pumping his stupid fist on the screen during the promos, and I was like, I can't cheer for a team that has Pitbull as part of it. I now mean, that, he, but, he redid a song for the ESPN playoffs, and I just remember. I know, I know. I'm sure you don't remember that? I, I, I'm sure it's great. I love anything people do for the ESPN playoffs, but I just am not like a, a Pitbull guy. I'm not a I'm not a Pitbull guy. But now that they have Tyler Hero and, and Bam, I try to kind of you know because they're Kentucky guys. Pat Riley went. To, did you know Pat Riley went to Kentucky? By the way, Gabe, did you? Know uh, that? I did know that. Yes, I did know that. A lot of people don't associate because of his slick hair and all that. They don't think he went to Kentucky, but he did. But. I will say I do respect everything about the Heat, the way they win with the Max Struces and the Gabe Vincents of the world, but they find a way to get it done. But I also think tonight is tonight they've got to win one of these two games. If Denver goes up 3-1, the series is over. I don't think tonight is necessarily a must win for them, but I don't think that Miami Heat can lose both home games. Do you agree, like – It'd be nice to say this is a must win. I'm not sure it really is for either team the way these series have gone. I would agree, and I would take it even a step. So if it's 3-1, I agree with you that it would be over if the the Nuggets win the next two. But even if the Heat win the next two at home... I agree. I, I don't know how much I can trust the Heat still at this point, and I think that the Nuggets could easily rattle off three games in a row, come back from three-one the way that LeBron did, uh, you know, the handful of years ago against the uh, against the Golden State Warriors. So, I, because this the roster is superior for the Nuggets, nothing becomes must-win for them until it's an actual elimination game. I sort of wonder if, like, I'm kind of with you. If everything you just said, I agree with. Like, I don't totally believe in the Heat and blah blah blah. I wonder if they might win the title and then. And we do the show the next day and go, you know, I just don't know if I believe in the heat. Like, I still don't think that they oh, – because I, it, it's, it's amazing to me a team can be in the conference finals. We're going to have Amber Wilson host a Joe and Amber on here next, and she's probably going to gloat because uh, – Oh, she's going to dunk year, all over you. Yeah. 
But I, it's amazing for a team that's been to three of the last four Eastern Conference Finals, has been to two of the last four Finals, that, and it's in Miami. It's not like they're in some podunk town somewhere. We still sort of all go, yeah, but they're not going to win the next one, and then they do. And they still, they're underdogs. I don't even know the last time they were favored in a game. They were up 3 nothing sure. yeah. against the Celtics, and they were dogs for the next four straight games. Vegas had them as underdogs. So I, nobody, literally nobody has believed in this team the entire way. It's the first time in finals history where we've, where we've had both teams playing the nobody believes in us card, but the Heat just continue to be underdog after underdog after underdog, and I still don't know how they continue to win games. I don't either, and I don't know that anybody totally knows how they win, but they do, and now you get to the game tonight. The crowd, you know, Miami has a weird home court thing where sometimes it's great. By the second quarter, it's good. First quarter is so-and-so. But I kind of feel like, I I, I sort of feel like this is going to be a Nuggets, if not romp, solid 8-12 to point game. I don't get the sense of being on the road, really. I don't get the sense it rattles the heat either. I think both these teams are comfortable on the road at home, and it's almost like home court in this series is probably worth less than in any I can remember. Do you agree with that? I I would agree with that. Jokic doesn't seem like he's rattled by much of anything. No, he doesn't. Right, okay, uh, I need to be a scorer. Okay, I can score. Okay, you're going to force me to pass with a double team or out of the zone. Okay, I can do that. He just doesn't seem to be rattled because of the style, and I know not everybody's a fan of the style of his play, but he just always looks in control at all times. How can people not be a fan of it, by the way? I, I, I find that him, makes no sense. I find him to be a fascinating player to watch because he looks like the dude you play against at the YMCA, and yet he still can dominate. And I find that – I mean, when a guy can move at the speed I move and still score, it gives people like me hope. Like, that guy can can actually still be function. I find it like, inspiring almost. Yeah, he, he, I think he has a deceptive first step or second step. He's got a deceptive step in there somewhere. And I just think that the, the one bucket where it really kind of caught me was late in game four, where he just starts going to the hole against Anthony Davis. Who you're you talking think, about. Yeah, yeah, and he just somehow just like slides right past Anthony Davis, and Davis has this look on his face like, wait, what just happened? How did he get here to make this easy bucket to make it harder for my team to be able to come back from this? He is sneaky athletic. I think you're right. I think it's the easy sort of thing to say is, and I've, I probably fall into it too, well, he's not fast, he's not this. He's athletic in a sneaky way. Like, he knows how to use all of his motion, like, has a purpose, and he's really good at using his girth in a, in a way to, like, <laughs> you know, he uses girth as, his, as athleticism in some ways. And I actually think that's impressive. Now, Amber Wilson is the host of Joe and Amber. Are you ready for this? She's going to come on here. And last year, I would give her a hard time and be like, Miami Heat, more like Miami's going to be beat. And she was like, that's a terrible joke. And But now she's got the last laugh. They're in the finals, and she's going to come on here and probably gloat. That's next here at Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.